Our scripture for the sermon is just one verse, Psalm 145, verse 9, but let's put it in context, and so for our scripture reading, I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 145. Let's give careful attention to the public reading of God's word, a psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. You give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, your word which is truth, and who has called us to engage in the study of your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would sweeten this one part of your word, in our hearts and in our minds, that together we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling you have given to us, and that we might honor you more along the path of life. Praying in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who reigns together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. Verse 9 says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Have you ever, I don't know, been in a service or something where uh, maybe the leader says, God is good, and then the congregation responds, all the time. God is good all the time. Uh, This is true, even though it's like not a verse from the Bible, I think of Psalm 106, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 86, 5, you, Lord, are forgiving and good. 
God is good all the time, especially when David reminds me to turn my microphone on. <laughs> I'm guessing that if you have lived any length of time, you've had experiences where you look at that experience in the face and then you think about the scriptures teaching that God is good and you have trouble putting those things together. Past couple of weeks have been some of the hardest weeks I have ever had. Two Fridays ago, I helped a young couple, good friends with my kids, uh, bury their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. She was born on the same day that my daughter, my granddaughter was born. Her mother and my son share a birthday. My daughter-in-law and the sister share a birthday. The father and uh, my grandson missed by just a couple of days. I married this young couple about 10 years ago. Uh, through high school with my kids, just intertwined with our family, not connected to a church. And uh, so I stepped in to shepherd them through this dark valley. You know, it sometimes sounds trite, doesn't it, to say God is good all the time. Sometimes it sounds like a pious platitude. Uh, it is true, and I'm sure that you all have many uh, experiences in life where it is just easy and obvious to say, God is good. And you all have those times where you just can't see how God can be good, and you can be in the situation that you find yourselves in. Yes, yeah, sometimes it takes faith not sight, to say God is good. But you know, the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the Word of God. And our little snippet out of Psalm 145, you are good to all. That's God's Word. And so let's reflect on that Word with the anticipation that God will be faithful to His promise, as He says, and through this Word He will build our faith in the fact that He is good all the time, even when we can't see it. So we're going to just look at this one verse, verse 9. I just want to look at two things. One, we've got to talk about the meaning of good. And then we've got to talk about the scope of God's goodness. Because, you know, words, almost all words, have a bunch of meanings. We don't even think about it when we're fluent in a particular language. If I say the word bank, I could mean the financial institution, or I could mean the side of a river, or I could mean a particular kind of shot in basketball, or I could mean a particular kind of shot in pool, or I could mean something like, uh, I give you my word, you can bank on it. Bank has all kinds of meanings, and guess what? So does the simple word good, not only in English, but also in Hebrew. So let's start by just reflecting on what the possible meanings could be when our text says that the Lord is good. Uh, one sense in which the Bible uses the word good, I'm going to call utilitarian goodness. 
utilitarian goodness. This is something that is good for something. Um, You might think of Genesis 1, chapter 4. God saw the light that it was good. Utilitarian goodness. God saw that the light was going to do what God had designed the light to do. Uh, Coming from uh, the home of a cabinet maker, I could say, that's a good saw. Uh, Now, it doesn't mean that the saw obeys God's commandments. Now, a good saw is one that does what it's designed to do. It's able to cut through the wood. How many of you can look back to younger days and remember a particular car you had? And you say, that was a good car. Uh, You're not talking about any moral qualities. You're just saying, that was a car that was reliable. It always got me from one place to another, a good car. Uh, So there's a utilitarian goodness in the Bible. But that doesn't quite fit to say God is a utilitarian good. God's not like a saw. He's not something that we use. So even though the Bible often uses good in the sense of utilitarian goodness, we're going to eliminate this one as a possibility from our text. There's one that I've already alluded to, and that's using the word good in terms of moral goodness. And certainly this is used frequently of God. Think of Psalm 25.8. Good and upright is the Lord. Notice what good is associated with. Good and upright. This is a moral goodness. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way so that they can become good. That is, they can live in keeping with God's principles. God has set forth his commandments that reveal his will, and God always lives in keeping with his own will written in the law. God is morally good. Psalm 119.68, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees so that I can be morally good as you are good. This kind of goodness is the theme of the book of Uh, Leviticus, although Leviticus doesn't use the word good necessarily in this way, but God in Leviticus basically says, here's all of Leviticus in one verse, I am holy, therefore you are to be holy. There's Leviticus. Uh, That doesn't justify your skipping over the book when you read through it in a, when you're reading the Bible in a year, uh, don't say, well, I know the Cliff's version, Cliff Notes version, I'm holy, be holy, I'm going to go over to Numbers. Read Leviticus. Uh, Moral goodness. And often I think when we sing and when we hear the psalm say, uh, the Lord is good, we think of moral goodness. But I think we'll see that that doesn't really fit the context. When our text says God is good, it's not a utilitarian goodness. It's not a moral goodness. It's what I'm going to call a beneficent goodness. A beneficent goodness. Now, let's just think a minute about that word. You know I love words. You know I have dictionary.com on my phone, and I get word of the day uh, every day and look at these wonderful words in the English language. Uh, beneficent. It's made up of two parts. Bene. Uh, that's Italian, uh, rather old Italian. It's called Latin. 
that's Latin for good. And um, we have that bene in the bene diction at the end of the service, right? Diction as in dictionary, words, bene diction, a good word. Uh, this is like the, uh, the Italian bene or Spanish bueno, same thing. Uh, it's just, it's good. Now that um, fishent part, the F-I-C in particular, that comes from the old Latin word facere, and that's just a Ordinary word that means do or make. We have that word in the FAC of factory. In a factory, they do things. In a factory, they make things. We have this word in a lot of places in English. Um, In a lot of those words that have uh, fication, like clarification. What's clarification? It's to make something what? What about justification? It's to make something what? Justified. Um, So all of those words that end in that fication, they all have, they're coming from this word that means to do or to make. So do all those verbs that end in F-Y. Clarify, make something clear. Justify, make something just. Nullify, make something null and void. That's, uh, That's this, that's what, beneficent is, making something good or doing something good. Woodenly, we're talking about God's goodness as something that God does. Doing doing good for others in a generous way, performing acts of kindness, of mercy, of compassion, of charity. That's what we're talking about in this text when it says, the Lord is good. He's, he's beneficent. A while back, I preached a sermon on good works in the New Testament. And if you'll recall, we realized that when the New Testament uses that expression, good works, it is not just talking about obeying the Bible in general. Good works are something more specific in the New Testament. Good works are acts of charity performed on behalf of those in need. Acts of kindness, acts of generosity, those good works, that's the kind of goodness that we're talking about here in Psalm 145 when we say God is good. We're saying that God does good things for those who are in need. Now, why do I I use this word beneficent goodness out of our text? Well, just look at the verse for a second. Notice it says the Lord is good to all, and look at the term that corresponds to God being good. It's not here, here it's not upright, it's not moral goodness, it's he has compassion. I'm reading the NIV, he has compassion. If you're reading another translation, maybe like the New American Standard or the English Standard Version, maybe your word is mercy. Mercy, compassion. See, this is God's beneficent goodness. This is not God so much being good, morally, as it is God doing good, doing acts of kindness, mercy, compassion for those in need. Just some other examples of this. You might think of Psalm 119, verse 65, where the psalmist says, Do good. To your servant. See, this is God's 
beneficent goodness, where he's not being good, but he's doing something. He's doing something that is generous, something that is compassionate, something that is merciful, something that is kind. Psalm 125.4, Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. So the Bible often speaks of God doing good. That's his beneficent goodness, and that's what our psalm is talking about. Later on in our psalm, verses 15 and 16, notice it says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. That's God's goodness. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. That's the sense of God being good in our psalm. It's a father who is good to his children. And those of you who are fathers, who are mothers, you know something of what it means to be good to your children. Yeah, you know also what it means to be frustrated with them, to be angry at them, Uh, but you know at the end of the day what it means to be good to your children, to do good things, even to do good things that you know they don't deserve because of how they have just been not good. Yeah, that's that parental disposition to be kind and compassionate and generous with our children. That's what is meant here by God's goodness. So when our text says the Lord is good, it means the Lord is beneficent. The Lord is kind and compassionate and merciful and generous with us as his children. So having seen that good here is not a utilitarian goodness, it's not a moral goodness, but it's a beneficent goodness, what's the scope of good? What's the scope of God's goodness here? Because sometimes we begin to develop the attitude that God is rather narrow and stingy. I I called this sermon the cosmic goodness of God, to try to capture the vast expanse, the broad scope of the goodness of God when it comes to his beneficent goodness Notice that God's goodness extends, as the text says, to all. The Lord is good to all. Now, you know that all doesn't always mean all, right? Has anybody ever said to you, especially when they're a little bit ticked off at you, they'll say something like, you do that all the time. You always say that. Well, not really. I say a lot of other things, and no, I do a lot of other things. I might have done it once or twice, or I might have done it a thousand times, but I don't do it all the time. And so all doesn't always mean all, whether we're speaking English or whether we're reading the Bible. There are places where all just doesn't mean all. So we have to always, we have to always be careful to look at the context to see what all means. And in context here, notice that all extends to all he has made. The Lord is good to all. Well, what do you mean by that? He has compassion on all he has made. 
And in terms of the created realm, that all means all. There's nothing that is that has not been made by God. And so there is nothing in the created world that escapes the beneficent goodness of God. It truly is a cosmic goodness. I don't know what I'm about to tell you. I mean, I I can't really calibrate it. But our universe is like 15 billion light years wide. Now, I don't know what that means. It's like somebody saying to me, well, it's 20 kilometers down the road. I don't know. I've got to get out my calculator to find out what 20 kilometers uh, is, you know. In some ways, I do wish we used metric as a woodworker. Breaking everything up in tens is just so easy, but I haven't done it enough. I've, I've got to, if somebody says it's like four millimeters, I've got to say, okay, what is that in standard? What part of an inch is that? I've got to put it in categories. I, I can't grasp what 15 billion light years is, but I know it's big. And no matter how far you go in this universe, There you are not going to go beyond the cosmic goodness of God. God's goodness, God's goodness extends to all that he has made. Woodenly, we could translate this to all his works. As in Psalm 103, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And the psalmist had no clue about light years and billions. But he knew that the beneficent goodness of God fills the universe. Uh, In our psalm again, Psalm 145, 15 to 16, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Now just think for a moment of how a cow gets its nourishment. Well, we could answer that from a scientific perspective. I don't know much about it. I'm not a scientist. But you know, the, the, the cow is a ruminant. It walks around eating grass all day long, and it swallows it, and it digests it, and it gets the nutrients out of it. That's how a cow is nourished. You know what the Bible says from a theological perspective as to how that cow is nourished? God puts out his hand with grass in it and he feeds that cow day by day. Yeah, a scientific perspective is one thing. It's a good thing. A theological perspective is a different thing. And we need both of those to have a rich understanding of God's world. But notice that our text says that God... The eyes of all look to God, and God feeds every living thing. His beneficent goodness extends to all. This is the the Old Testament theology that underlies a teaching of Jesus when Jesus says of his Father that God causes the rain to fall on the Righteous and the wicked. He causes the sun to rise on the good and the bad. Those are, that's a figure of speech called a merism, where it uses two extremes to communicate a totality. Uh, God causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the wicked. That means on everybody. Uh, the good and the bad comes the rain. That means 
everybody. So you see, Jesus, when he says this, isn't inventing some new kind of teaching. He understood the cosmic goodness of God that is taught throughout the Old Testament, but in particular, in our verse. Now, a a, a lovely pair of verses, Psalm 36, 6 and 7, they don't use the word good, but they get at this exact same idea. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. There's another merism. You preserve everything that you have made. And then it says, how priceless, not is your goodness, but is your unfailing love. Your unfailing love. That's that Hebrew word chesed, God's covenant commitment which again we can think of narrowly as something that God extends to us as his covenant people. But notice, even the animals are the recipients of God's covenant goodness, his unfailing love, his beneficent goodness. The reason why a cow is alive one day and not dead is because God is beneficent. The reason why you are here this morning, whether you're a believer or not, is because God is beneficent. It's because of the goodness of God. His, why are there billions and billions of stars still in their same spots in our universe? It's because God is good. Everything that happens in God's universe is because of His beneficent goodness. Everything is the recipient of this unfailing love. So that's pretty simple. What does good mean? It means God's beneficence. It means His doing good, His generosity, His mercy, His compassion, His kindness. And and what's the extent of that? It's cosmic in proportion. It extends to everything that He has made. So let me just give you two takeaways before we turn our attention to the Lord's Supper. Number one, expect God to be good to you. He's just told you that he is beneficent. And so why would you expect God to show up in your life in any other way than being good to you? Merciful, kind, compassionate. Now remember, sometimes that takes faith. But even when you are in that darkest valley of the shadow of death, expect that the rays of God's goodness are somehow going to penetrate that darkness. And He's going to illuminate the path for you to move forward into a brighter tomorrow. It's who God is. The Lord is good, compassionate, kind, merciful, generous. Expect God to show up this way in your life. One more takeaway. Be good to all. Don't you want to be like God? And God has shown you this morning what He is like. Well, in showing you what He's like, He invites you to become more like Him, to be good to all. You know, the Bible says that it's easy to be good and nice and kind to some people, 
not so easy to be good and nice and kind and generous to others. Well, God is good to all. And he invites you to be like him as your heavenly father. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That you may be like your Father in heaven. And then what's Jesus go on to say? What's he like? Well, he causes his sun to shine on the evil and the good. He causes his rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Yeah, there are people in your lives, people that you're going to encounter in the week to come. And some of them, it's going to be easy for you to be good to. And others, not so much. In that moment, you have a decision to make. God invites you to decide to be like him. To be cosmic in your goodness. Not not dishing out your goodness to those who are just good to you. But letting it extend to all that he has made. Who are the, right, uh, the unrighteous, the wicked, the evil in your lives? Uh, see, God's going to give us all an opportunity to put this into practice within probably the end of the day, by the end of the day, certainly by the end of the week. Expect God to be good to you. And because you know who he is, be good to all. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would take this simple snippet of your word, which is so easy to understand, and yet at times so challenging to put into practice. Take it and write it on our hearts. Father, you know those places where in our own hearts and lives, it's difficult, if not impossible, to see that you are good. Grant us faith, strengthen our faith through this word that we will acknowledge and confess that you are good and that we will even go beyond that and expect you to show up and be good to us and to those who are around us. And grant us grace that we might do good to all as we have opportunity in the week that lies ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.